For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, Good morning. I'm Tommy Green. I am one of the pastors here at Centerpoint. This morning I'll be filling in for John as uh, he was at one of his son's wedding last night in Memphis. And so that's where he's at. He'll be back next week. Uh, But we're going to continue on and finish up our series on Simple Christmas, which as you notice, that bumper didn't look like it was very simple, did it? Uh, But that's one of the things that uh, we're going to be doing this morning. You know, I love Christmas. I love everything about it. I love what it stands for. I love the Christmas movies. I love the Christmas songs. I love the Christmas stories. Uh, One of my favorite stories is about a a group of men who are at a, a locker room, in a locker room at a, a country club, and a phone goes off. And one of the guys picks up the phone and uh, puts it on speakerphone, and everybody else in the room listens to his conversation. It goes something like this. It says, hello? Hey, honey, it's me. Are you at the club? Yes. Uh, well, you know it's Christmas, and I'm at the mall, and I'm shopping, and I found the most amazing fur coat, and it's only $1,000. Uh, can I get it? Well, if you really like it, go ahead and go ahead and get it. Oh, well, great. Well, listen, by the way, I also went by the Mercedes dealership, and I looked at all of the brand new models, and I found one I absolutely love. Well, how much was it? 65000 Okay, but for that price, I want all the options. Okay, yeah, and honey, one more thing. You know that house that was on uh, for sale last year that I really wanted? You know, and, well, it's back on the market and they only want $1.2 million for it. And he goes, okay, well, go ahead and make an offer, but I'd only offer them a million. And she says, thanks, honey. i got to go. Love you. He says, love you too. Bye. All the guys in the locker room were just staring at this guy in a stalemate, and it's like, and he just smiles and lifts up the cell phone and goes, anybody know whose phone this is? <laughs> I love Christmas stories. I love this time of year. And, you know, it's a time for laughter. It's a time for cheer. But for many of us, Christmas is very stressful. It really is. It's a time that, that we kind of get stressed out. And a lot, one of the things that causes a lot of stress in our lives is our schedules. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about how to simplify our schedules so that we can reduce the stress during this time. Before we get started, we have a word of prayer with me, and then we'll, get, we'll jump right in. Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity, Lord God, just to come this morning and uh, Lord, talk about your word. I pray that, Lord, as we open up your word, that, Lord, that you would use it to impact and challenge us and to change us. Father, I ask that, especially as it comes to our schedules, I pray that we would see our schedules in a new light. You bring new revelation on how we can make the most out of our schedules. And so, Father, I just ask that you would speak to me and move me out of the way and have your way in this place today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, inside your bulletin, you're going to find an insert with the, today's outline entitled Simplify, Simplifying Our Schedules. Um, first point on that outline states that the first Christmas, Joseph and Mary had a hectic and stressful schedule. You know, all of us have stressful schedules during Christmas. 
But Mary and Joseph, theirs was, you know, they were was especially stressful. Listen to some of the things that went on before uh, Jesus' birth. Um, I took some clips of the, of the story and, and put them in here this morning as we read them. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. And the angel told her, For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born, the baby that will be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. After, after the angels tell her this, they also tell her that her cousin Elizabeth is pre- pregnant. So later on in the story, it says, A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town of Zach- where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth, which was her cousin. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her home. When she gets home, she is evidently pregnant by this time, and Joseph notices that. And this is what it says that Joseph's, Joseph's response was. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her public, publicly, so she, he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So they get back together. When they get back together, Joseph and Mary have to go on a long trip right before the baby is born. It says, Because Joseph was the descendant of the King David, he had to go to Bethlehem for a census in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to be to, for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in snuggling strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. After the as the baby's being born, me you know the angels appear to the shepherds, and this is what happens with the shepherds. The shepherds said to each other, "Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord told us about." They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in a manger. Now, you and I say, hey, Christmas time is stressful. We've got so many things to do, so many places to be. Well, can I tell you, for Mary and Joseph, it was especially crazy, especially hectic. Listen to some of the things that happened in their story. Mary got engaged, was visited by an angel, and she became super, supernaturally pregnant with God's son. Now listen, getting engaged is, is, is amazing. It's awesome. I remember when Shelly and I got engaged. It was an amazing time. Uh, but you, you get all the stress of who, where are we going to live? What were we going to do? Are we going to be able to support ourselves? And, and then to have an angel just show up your doorstep. Now, I don't know about you, but that would be a little bit stressful. Matter of fact, it was so stressful to her that the angel had to say, Hey, Mary, don't be afraid. Why do you have to tell her not to be afraid? Because she was afraid. <laughs> Okay? And then not only that, to find out that you're going to be pregnant, not like anybody else in the entire world. It's a supernatural pregnancy, and you're going to have God's son. Talking about stress, listen to what else happened. Then Mary, when she finds that, she travels 90 miles to visit her cousin Elizabeth, stays three months, and traveled 90 miles back while she was more pregnant. Now, I have never been pregnant. I mean, I'm, I, I just... 
That's shocker here, but I've never been pregnant, okay? I have lived with a wife who has been pregnant two times and given birth, okay? One thing I know about her is that, especially during that first trimester, she said everything was so hard. I mean, just getting out of bed would take her breath away. She just felt like she was like climbing up a mountain all the time. Not only that, strange smells would all of a sudden make her run to the bathroom. And she was sick at her stomach all the time. Well, imagine Mary, who's just been pregnant, just got pregnant, just now she's with the child. And she has to travel. She travels 90 miles to go visit her cousin. And it's not like she just jumped in the SUV and ran to Birmingham. Okay? She is walking and probably in a caravan and probably takes her a week and a half or so to get to her cousin's house. And can I tell you the smells along that road with all the animals that travel probably was making her pretty sick all the time. She does that and she comes back. When she gets back, you know, Joseph, the guy she's engaged to, finds out she's pregnant and all of a sudden he says, oh, this thing is off. I don't know what's been going on, but the, 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 the engagement's off. Until an angel visits him and proves to him that, that the, the baby really is God's. Then Mary and Joseph had to travel another 80 miles to Nazareth, Bethlehem, and since while she's very pregnant, Mary had nowhere to have the baby when she goes into labor, so she gives birth in a barn using a feeding trough as a makeshift crib. Can you imagine time for your baby to come and there's nowhere to go and you're outside and there's no rooms? I mean, you basically have your baby outside with the animals. That would be stressful. And then after you have that baby in that kind of condition, all of a sudden Mary and Joseph have unexpected guests right after she gives birth. And you just had birth, and all of a sudden you get these people show up to celebrate the baby, and you have no idea who they are. Talking about a crazy, hectic beginning to the first Christmas, it was. And you know, this morning here in Prattville, we sang this song, Silent Night. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Well, a note upon your outline states that things were probably not all calm, bright, or silent at the first Christmas. Like I said, I've never been pregnant, never given birth. But I was in the room when my wife gave birth to our children. It was not quiet. It was not calm. It was not peaceful. Okay? And that's what it would have been like during that first Christmas. Christmas always has a tendency, you know, we think of it joyful and peaceful. But the truth is there's a lot of Christmas that are very stressful for us. So this morning, we want to talk about three ways that I can simplify my schedule and reduce stress. Number one, I can connect to God and allow Him to give me self-control. To give me self-control. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. John 15, 5 goes on to say that I am the vine, Jesus, Jesus talking, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We don't think of this very often, but self-control is one of the fruits that reveal how connected we are to God. Because you cannot produce fruit on your own. Fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, self-control. 
Those are fruits from being connected to God. And many times we often don't realize that that is uh, the truth. Self-control, here's a definition of self-control. It's a really complicated uh, definition of self-control. But self-control is simply the ability to control oneself. That I control me. I have self-control. Here's a few things that we can have self-control over when we're truly connected to God. First thing is our feelings and our attitudes. Our feelings and our attitudes. Um, we can have control over those things. I have the privilege as, as a pastor to uh, do marriage counseling uh, quite often in my office. And one of the things that when people come in that they often say is I'll hear the husband say, she makes me so mad. And the wife will turn around and she'll say, he makes me so frustrated. And it gives me the opportunity to talk about self-control. Because self-control is the ability to control yourself. You know, there is nobody in this world that can make me mad. There's nobody in this world that can get me upset. There's nobody in this world that can make me frustrated. You don't control me. I control me. That's self-control. Now, I can choose to get mad at you for something that you did. I can choose to be frustrated at you. But you can't make me do anything. See, self-control is the ability to control oneself. Your attitude and your emotions. Another thing that self-control allows us to control is our behavior and choices. You know, I hate when people blame other people for their actions. And unfortunately, this happens in my house a lot. Because I have an 8-year-old son and he has a 15-year-old brother. And many times when my youngest son, Ethan, gets in trouble, one of the things he says is, Ethan made me do it. You ever heard that as a parent? My, my, my sibling made me do it. And I have to turn to him and say, Son, he didn't make you do it. You chose to do it. Now, he might have manipulated and everything else, but the choice that you made was yours, and you have to own it. That's self-control. Another area of self-control that's really important goes to our schedules. Goes to our schedules. You know, um, many times, especially when things get really busy, and you'll talk to someone and they say, well, I can't do it because I have to go to this party. I have to go to a ball game. I have to go to work. I have to go to this. The truth is, when I was young, I used to ask my dad all the time, and you know, there would be an event that we had to go as a family, and I did not want to go to it. And I would ask my dad, Dad, do I have to go? And his response to me was this, Son, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do except for die and pay taxes. And the truth, the point he was trying to make is that you don't have to do anything. Now listen, there might be consequences for not doing something, But self-control is the ability to control oneself. You know, the reason that I choose to go to my kids' ball games is because I go there to support him. The reason I choose to go to work is because I want to provide for my family. The reason I choose to go to the uh, company Christmas party is because I choose to be around those that I have a relationship and I choose to honor the company that I work with by being in attendance there. See, self-control allows us 
the ability to do the things that are priorities to us. Listen to what 2 Timothy 1.7 says. God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. When we don't have control over our schedules, it's actually a reflection of our connection with God. It is, because it's a fruit. So listen, this Christmas season, when it gets really, really busy, can I tell you, one of the most important things you can do is make sure that you're staying connected to God. Make sure that you are spending time with Him. Because it's amazing. I had a pastor friend of mine when I was younger. I had been in ministry for a long time. He said, Tommy, the busier I get in ministry, the more time I have to spend with God. The more time I'm going to make sure that He is allowing love and joy and peace and self-control to flow out of me. So this, this season, let's make sure that we stay connected with God. Point two is that I can set the right priorities and boundaries in my life so that I can have peace. Romans 2, 12, 2 says, Stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through the total uh, reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. You know, setting priorities is an important aspect of keeping a simple schedule because when we set the right priorities, it allows us to make sure that we're doing the right things at the right time. And, you know, the truth is, the way that we need to make sure that we're setting the right priorities is we need to be connected with God. And a life application for us is we need to seek God about our priorities. We need to seek him about our priorities. Um, if we don't have the right order of things in our life, everything gets out of whack. And Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God. If we make sure that God is the first and most important priority of our life, all the other things fall out and begin to be in right order. And like our family, like our relationships, like work, like our hobbies, all those things begin to fall into place as long as we begin to put the big rock, the first thing, first. And um, it, it's, it's important. Another thing that, that I've been learning to do in my own life is to not only know what my priorities, one of the ways I know my, how my priorities are is to write them down. Have you ever made a list of what's important to you at that moment? It's like, for me, God is the biggest priority in my life. So I literally write down and remind myself every day that God is the most important thing in my life today. The second thing for me is my family. My wife, my kids are the most important things. And listen, if I don't write that down, there are times that I will allow other things to come and take its place. I will let my hobbies, I will let my friends, I will let other things come into place of my family if I don't have it written down and I know what those priorities are. So here's a few tips for making sure that our schedules reflect our priorities. Number one is that we need to put our priorities on our schedules first. We need to put our priorities on our schedules first. 
Um, here's a little statement that I say a lot, is that when we say yes to one thing, we are saying no to something else. And when we say no to something, we're actually saying yes to something else. And it's this concept that every time I say no to an event or to something that's outside of my priorities, I'm actually saying something yes to one of my priorities. Um, it could be the fact that someone wants me to go fishing with them that afternoon, something, a hobby that I like to do. And I'll have someone call, hey, can you go fishing today? And if I say yes to that, I actually might be saying no to going to my kid's ball game. I actually might be saying no to going out on a date with my wife. Does that make sense? And every time I say yes to my wife and say, yes, we're going to go on this date, I might be saying no to something that might not be as important. And so writing those things down on our schedules actually allow us to make sure that we make uh, the right choices. And um, I, I tell you, for me, on my schedule, you can look at my phone, uh, going to church is a priority for me, so church is on my schedule. Going to connect group is on my schedule. Spending time uh, with my family uh, we, uh, prior, is one of, our, one of our priorities in our life. And so every Monday night is family night for us. And it's on my schedule. So when someone calls and says, hey, you want to go do this and this and this? I can look and say, uh, no, I already have plans. Those are things that we need to begin to put into uh, our calendars. Here's another thing that we can do. We can wait before saying yes to something. Luke 14, 28 says, For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost? whether he has enough to complete it. Uh, one of the principles that I've uh, accepted in my life is, is this next day policy, okay? Um, when someone asks me to go do something, I literally say, hey, let me check my schedule and let me get back with you tomorrow. And the reason I do that is because my personality, I have a tendency to react to things instead of respond to them. And giving me that time to buffer begins to, for me to look and say, is this really... Uh, what's most important for me to be doing with my time right now. So a lot of times I will literally just say, hey, let me check my schedule and let me get back with you tomorrow. And it just allows us a little bit of a buffer, a little bit of time. We're still being respectful to the person uh, who's asked us, but it also gives us a little bit of buffer for that as well. Here's another thing uh, that we need to learn to do. We need to learn to say no. Uh, Matthew 5, uh, 37 says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. And this goes back to the, uh, the same principle of, of taking some time to make sure that we're saying the right things. Because the worst thing that we can do is say yes to something. And then we go back and we check our schedule. And then we go, oh, I actually can't do that. And, and let your yes be yes and your no be no. And it really helps us and allows us. It really allows us to keep our word with people. Um, it also, a lot of times we'll say yes because the, the thing we want to do is we don't want to disappoint people. We don't. I, I hate disappointing someone. And so a lot of times my first response is yes. And then I get looking and go, oh, I really can't do that. And then I have to go back and tell them no, which disappoints them even more than if I would just told them the truth in the first place. Here's something else we can do is we can go over our schedules with our spouses uh, Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. A lot of times when I'm asked uh, to go do something, I'll say, hey, let me check with my wife and let me make sure uh, we don't have anything else going on. And you know, I am doing that not because she's a control freak, okay? 
not because she controls my schedule. I'm asking what's going on because I'm honoring her. Because I understand that my schedule impacts her schedule. And if I'm being true to God's word, I want to make sure that I honor her first. And I put her first. So one of the things I do is I always check, hey, how is this going to impact our family? How is this going to impact you before I make a decision? Um, I think that's a, a, is wise. The other thing we do just in our own lives is because our schedules can get so crazy from time to time is we meet uh, every Sunday around 3 o'clock and we go over the schedule for the week. It's not a long meeting, just 10, 15 minutes. Hey, what do you got going on this week? Is there anything that I need to be aware of? And I don't, we don't do that to control one another. We do that to honor one another, which is a biblical principle. Um, here's the third thing we can do to help uh, reduce stress in, um, in, our, in our schedules is that I can allow God to interrupt my schedule so I can experience true joy. If you want to experience true joy in crazy times of your life, we need to um, allow God to interrupt what we're doing in our agendas and interrupt them with his agendas. Proverbs 3, 6 says, In all of your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. One of the reasons it's important that we talked about self-control is because you cannot submit to God anything that you don't own. So if I don't own my schedule, I can't give that schedule to God. If external forces, if my friends, if my family, if my work, if everything else is controlling my schedule, then how can I submit that to God? See, I can only give God things that I own. And so it's important that we submit to him in all of our ways. We submit to him and he'll make our path straight. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. There are two Greek words for the word time. Chronos, which means chronological. It's a time, it's minutes and seconds and hours. Okay, so our calendar is chronos time. But there's another Greek word for time that is kairos, and it means an appointed time, an opportune moment, or a due season. It's that moment where God breaks into our schedule and his agenda overrides our agenda. Okay? God is, does this all throughout Scripture. Remember Noah? Noah's uh, living his life all along. And all of a sudden, God breaks into his time and in his schedule and says, Hey, Noah, I want you to build a boat. I know it hadn't rained, but I want you to build a boat. That was God. That was an appointed time. Abraham. Abraham's living with his family, just living life. And all of a sudden, God breaks in and says, Hey, Abraham. I want you to pick, pack your bags. I want you to leave your family's house. And I want you to move to a place that I'll eventually show you. Moses is, is uh, you know, herding sheep and he's up on the mountain. And all of a sudden, a bush catches on fire and he turns around. And all of a sudden, God breaks through that moment and breaks through his schedule and appointed time. Those times are extremely important when it comes to the way we live our life. And uh, I want to share with you a few stories in my own life, there has been times where God has broken in and has been, made an impact on me and hopefully it's made an impact on other people. And I want you to understand, these are God's stories. This is when you allow God to override your schedule, override your agenda with his agenda. A few years back when I lived in Texas, uh, one of the jobs I had was I was a, um, a service a technician for uh, Terminex. And i never forget, I went to a 
house one day and I'm doing my job. I'm pumping up my little sprayer. You know what I'm saying? I'm spraying the baseboards and I'm going along. And, and uh, I notice that the, the family that I'm, I'm doing the service for is, they're down. And I can tell something's not right. And when I get done and everything's done, I, I'm uh, taking, they're taking care of the bill. I just asked them a simple question. I said, is there anything that I can pray with your family about? And I just felt prompted by God to ask that. And, and they said, begin to cry and said, yes, uh, we just got back from the doctor this morning. And we've discovered that my the husband had, had uh, throat cancer and was scheduled to have surgery uh, the following week. And uh, I said, well, is it okay if we just gather your whole family around and we just pray and we ask God to intervene on your behalf? And they began to cry and say, yes, we love that. And so we gathered hands and we just I just said a simple prayer that God would... God was supernaturally healing, that God would use doctors, would use whatever means he wanted to use, but that the Lord would do an amazing work here. And uh, I left, never saw that family again. And about six years later, after Shelly and I had moved here to Alabama, uh, I got a phone call uh, from a good friend of mine in Texas and said, hey, I ran into this lady, uh, and when she found out what church, I told her what church I went to, and she said that, she goes, I've been looking for this church. She says, I met this Terminix guy, who went to this church, and he prayed with us about six years ago, and I never got to tell him our story. He said, that next week, we went to the doctor, and as they were going to do surgeries, they checked him, and they couldn't find any cancer anywhere. That's a Kairos moment. It had nothing to do about me. That had... God interrupting my schedule and my agenda for his agenda. Not long ago, I was, uh, many of you know, like I said, I, I like to fish. And I had a, a day all to myself. Shelly had gone shopping. No kids were at the house. And I said, ah, you know what I want to do today? Because I own my own schedule. I'm going to go fishing. So I took my boat, went down to Cooter's Pond. And I was putting my boat in. And I met this guy there. And he, he looked at me and said he was new to the area. And said, hey, listen, um, I'm new here. Do you know any good areas to go fishing here at the river? I've, I've never been, and I just was wondering. I said, well, let me think about it. I pulled my truck back up, and as I walked back down, the Holy Spirit spoke very clear to my spirit. and says, won't you ask him if he'll go fishing with you? So as I'm walking down, here's God interrupting my schedule. And I said, I said hey, listen, I don't know if you, what, if you got any time, but I'm going out for a few hours. and more than welcome to go with me if you want to. And his eyes got about that big. He said, I would love to. And so he got, got, got his stuff, and as he gets on my boat, he says, I'm so glad that you asked me to go fishing. I haven't caught in a blankety blank, 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 blank fish since I've been here. <laughs> and I went, yes! <laughs> so he gets in my boat, and for the next three hours, I begin to ask him a lot of stuff about his life. Begin to ask him about his job, begin to ask him about his marriage and his kids and everything. And, and every time he tells me about it, it's a bleep, 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 kids, you know, or bleep, bleep, wife. And I'm going, okay. So after about three hours of me asking these questions, it dawns on him that he hasn't asked me any questions at all. And he goes, I haven't asked you, what do you do for a living? At that moment, I was like, I don't really want to tell you. <laughs> I said, well, you know, I work at a church here in town. And he goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, dude, you're good. Okay. Can I tell you, he began to open up to me. 
And he began to share how he had been hurt by church. He began to share how he had been disappointed by God. And he began to allow me to speak into his life. And can I tell you, he's become a very dear friend of mine. As a matter of fact, there's times when he's going through stuff and trouble in life. Uh, multiple times he's called me and says, hey, I need you to be praying for me. And at the time, moment that I met him, God, he didn't want to have anything to do with God. Can I tell you, that's a Kairos moment where God intercepted and said, you know what? I want to invade your schedule and your agenda with my agenda. You know, I live with a wife who actually loves to live this in her life. I can't tell you how many times we've gone to Walmart or the grocery store and, and we're going together and I'm doing my job, which is simply to push the buggy, right? I mean, that is my job, right? This is me at the, at the grocery store. And, and all of a sudden, she'll go around the, the aisle and, and she'll, hey, I'm just going down this one aisle and we'll pick something out and I'll be right back. And all of a sudden, she's gone. It's been like 10 minutes. It's like, how long does it take to find sugar, okay? So, and I'll go around the aisle and I'll look for it and she, there she is. And she's talking to someone and all of a sudden, she's there praying for them. And she's allowed God to interrupt her schedule. That's the most, if you want true, if we want real true joy in our lives, it's one of the things that we need to do is we need to allow God to interrupt that. Here's a note on your outline. Some moments are more valuable than other moments. Every moment we have on life is valuable. But there are some moments that are more important than others. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Can I share with you a moment that is more important than others? When you're tucking your kids in bed and you've worked so hard to finally get them there so you can have your two hours to watch your favorite episode of something and with, with just peace, right? We finally, as parents, we get that. It's like, I finally got my time to myself. And your kid all of a sudden says, Dad, will you tell me about Jesus? I want to invite him into my life. That's a moment that's more important than others. That moment when you get the phone call from a dear friend and they're going through a divorce or they've just been laid off from work. That's an important moment. And we need to make room in our schedules to allow God to invade you know, Mary and Joseph had a hectic, crazy time before Christmas. But Mary was, was willing to say, God, whatever you want, I'm here. That's what she says in Luke one thirty-eight. Mary said to the angel, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She allowed God to break into her schedule And it was the most important moment in all of history. Will you pray with me? Father, I just want to thank you for our opportunity this morning. To Lord, uh, just to open up your word and take a look at how it reflects and how it can impact our lives. Especially our time, especially our schedules. Father, we want to, Lord, we want to make room for you. Lord, we want uh, to... Lord, we want you to break through uh, all of our busyness, all of our stress, all the chaos. And Lord, we're asking you for peace. We're asking you for joy 
and we're asking you for purpose. So, Father, I thank you that that's the kind of God you are. And so, Lord, we're asking for many moments, kairos moments in our life. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.